0: Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Selena has a very unique gift. She has the ability to transport others to a different time and place. She first discovered this gift as a child when she told tall tales that enthralled her family. Later, Selena led her friends into elegant worlds by throwing glamorous dinner parties where fancy dress was required. Finally, after a career in economics, Selena took this genius and turned it into a life. She bought a very old place on a river in a remote corner in France. There, she invites those of us wearied with the pace of the outside world to culinary retreats. During these retreats, Selena teaches her guests to reconnect not only to their food, but also to the pleasure of cooking for themselves. All of us who follow Selena on Instagram have been captivated by her gift, and we've wondered after reading her poetic storytelling captions, is this a fairy tale or is this real life? I'm here to say Selena is very much a real person, a real, rooted, well-rounded person with an extraordinary gift.
1: I really hope the connection is is okay here because we're living so far off everything.
0: Sound great. It's crystal clear, but let's start with that. Can you describe where you are right now? So right now I am
1: sitting in my study and the study sits in that very, very old house
0: mm-hmm. that
1: sits on the wall of a very old town Somewhere uh, lost in the French countryside. So we basically are in the east of France. I'm in a country uh, which is very green and there's a lot of water and it's um, rolling hills and pasture land. Very romantic.
0: Mm. And someone would have to wander a long time to stumble upon you. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. (laughs) Have you recovered from the champagne last night? Oh, yes. Yes, so it's funny because this
1: is usually an occasion that you'd probably have on a weekend, but um, as we're heavily relying on you know the traveling salesperson, and then yesterday this was a delivery coming in and it's fresh fish, so you can't wait for the weekend, (laughs) so you have to make a celebration on the. On just an ordinary Wednesday night. (laughs) Yes,
0: don't you think the celebration's a little bit more memorable sometimes when it is on an ordinary night like that? I would think so, because then it is so unexpected. Well, it was a treat. For all of us who saw your Instagram post and <laughs> got to read about what you were planning to do. And okay. I wanna talk about that first because that is how I came across you. Your pictures were lovely. Actually, the one you posted yesterday was beautiful, absolutely beautiful, Thank but you. so full of personality with that devilish grin on your face <laughs> <laughs> and your sharp knife <laughs> in the air. <laughs> Thank you so much. much. But the writing is otherworldly. And in fact, when I shared yesterday that people should go read your caption, several people wrote back and said, I am so excited that you are talking to Selena because somebody said, your writing sounds like it's out of a fairy tale. And it does, I mean, you kind of put this old fashioned cadence to it, but yours is also very quirky and playful and funny. It's poetic. And I want to know, how did you learn to write like that?
1: I'm so honored to, you know, (laughs) hear this verse from you because I'm by no means a trained writer and obviously English is not my um, maternal language. That is, I,
0: you have a much better command of my maternal language, as you say, than I do. For me, it's really
1: difficult because I obviously read a lot in English and I, I used to work for an English company for, for a long time. But Thanks. still, I don't think that I think in English Um and I probably don't dream in English. I speak and I I think in a dream in a in a very strange uh, German dialect. Really. Anyway, not written. So so it's, it's German is is not really a really language on its own, and you cannot write it. So there's no grammar around it. And we learn High German in school. And in a way, probably for me to write in High German would be much easier because my grandmother was German, so she. He had a a good command of High German, but obviously with Instagram, it was very clear to me from the beginning. Also with the blog, that it has to be in English. Now, as to the storytelling itself, well, I don't know. So it's it's funny actually to ask this question Mm. because (laughs) when I was a kid, they they thought that perhaps I would really become a writer Mm. (laughs) I I used to tell obviously funny stories and I Mm -hmm. used to invent a lot of stories so I would tell people things about myself that I obviously invented it it was sort of a game to tell people for example I told people that I had a a farm at Paris and (laughs) and would tell them what would I I'd be doing the whole day there and things Mm. like that so Mm. I think it's probably coming with this type of imagination that obviously goes with my character
0: that mm-hmm. makes it perhaps easier for me to to write up the stories. Right. And then you lean into that. It is, tell me if I'm wrong, it Is a brand in the sense that when you are inviting people to your home and your workshops, you're inviting them to step into a different world and a different time, and that comes through. So it is a brand in that sense, but it's a brand that is genuine and authentic and based completely in you and this giftedness of imagination it sounds like you kind of always had even as a child this longing for transporting yourself and other people somewhere a little different than where you were yeah definitely
1: this is this is mm-hmm. i think the difficulty with instagram because obviously it is the brand and but then it's the more I progress, the more get, it gets part of me. So yeah. mm-hmm.
0: it's <laughs>
1: sometimes mm-hmm. difficult to to really tell the two apart because it's really a part of my life. Yeah. So if people are coming to to my house, obviously they, they I don't share ev- everything with them. But then it's a large portion of really the life I'm leading. So mm-hmm. it's not just that I make it all up and then replay along for a day or three. Right. But that's that's part of my everyday life.
0: Yes. And it's what you went and sought out, those stories that you told as a child, you did make them come to life. And then, of course, when someone comes and meets you, they find that you are a real person, a three-dimensional person. You're living this actual life. You don't go and play it on a movie set. You live it. And so it is a art imitates life, imitates art kind of around and around thing. I, I I would love to go there next and talk about what it is you do exactly.
1: When I came here, because obviously I haven't been born in this place, though this place is very similar in a way to where I grew up. It's, it's not my native home. But it had qualities and you know a very specific atmosphere mm-hmm. that when when I had people coming over, because I love to entertain anyway, obviously. So I did <laughs> this <right? laughs> all the time. I I realized that they they went away in, in a way a bit changed, or you could even mm-hmm. perhaps say trans, transformed, transfigured. Mm-hmm. Because they came in touch with the world that I think maybe it hasn't it has never existed or if it had it definitely doesn't exist in this way anymore Mm. it's it's sort of a time travel back I say usually to the 19th century but you can even go further Mm -hmm. and I think in our modern world where everything is so you know futile and and forgotten and it's it's You know, people do things and in the next moment they do something else. Mm. I realized that here you really have the opportunity to do things consciously and Mm -hmm. with meaning and with pleasure. I thought I I, perhaps I need to to share this, you know, with a larger audience. So. The, the food is sort of the hook or right. the red the, the threat leading through it because food is, is very, very important. There's many connotations, many meanings also. But in the end, it's not not just the food, as I like always like to point out. It's the stories. It's people coming here and, and being in this place for one day or for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Really go back to the root of where is the food coming from? Mm -hmm. What does the food taste like? What what does it feel? What does it do while it cooks? What's the smell coming out of it? Mm -hmm. Um, To have this really to get back in touch with what we eat and this naturally brings the stories along because and then the wine obviously brings a lot of stories along always mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's part of the game um mm-hmm. and really to be able to provide a unique experience something completely different when it comes to cooking it's not about i, I always point this out it's, it's not about you know, learning to cook the perfect sauce or perfect souffle, because there's many cooking schools that can mm-hmm. teach you better than I. But what I can teach people is to really go back and what does it feel to, to cook it and, or going back to this instinctive cooking, knowing how, when it's cooked and mm. when you can take it off the heat and, you know, how much to put into something mm much more from an emotional perhaps angle than, you know, just the pure recipe cooking mm.
0: angle. It seems like you're saying cooking schools can do an an equal or potentially even better job in terms of teaching a person the technical skills. But mm-hmm. you will guide a person into two things. One, recovering their instincts in cooking and to recovering their sense of pleasure in cooking. Yes, exactly. Mm. Because
1: I think, and and then it comes to food. I think food is so much more than just a meal or a dish. Mm. (laughs) Food is very, very emotional. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we relearn this sort of connection. Um, that we rediscover this connection, the pure pleasure in food itself.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is it about that place (laughs) that allows you to live life (laughs) differently?
1: So, first of all, I think we're very much a function of our environment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the way we cook, it's very much driven by this environment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, not not only so, especially if you cook seasonally, it's not only the ingredients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it goes far beyond that. This um, you know, this spirit of a place, which in in, in Latin it's called genius loci, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the soul of a place. I think is is very important. Mm-hmm. And this can yield different results depending on where you're sitting. Um, this, this. this place where I am perhaps is in a way very well suited to, to bring people back to, you know, this, um, say, pre-industrialization world where mm-hmm. the food came from around the corner where most of the food was still grown in in the back gardens of the houses, where there was much personal connection between the uh, consumer of the food or the person cooking
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the person producing the food. So mm-hmm. For instance, also with the wine growers, where mm-hmm. we're going there, so we seek them out, we talk to them. We want to know about their philosophy
0: Mm-hmm. And whether
1: this philosophy is in alignment in a way with the world, we understand it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not
0: sure whether it would work in a, in another place. I, I would have to try. <laughs> mm. I mean, I think there's things that we can replicate if my kitchen is a mess and I just kind of clear off this little space in my counter and try to throw together dinner. It's a completely different experience than if I walk into my clean kitchen, I notice the light coming through the window a little bit differently. I feel calm as I pull out the vegetables. I admire like maybe the carrot leaves as I cut them off. It's a different experience. Well, it's that experience exponentially when you're in a beautiful, remote, slow Part of france you know what did you sign your email the other day something like where the air is scented with lilacs
1: it's wonderful yeah i this mean this is the romantic bit about it it's and you always have this clean fresh air mm. um
0: so i would say no i don't think it would work as well so
1: I mean, and maybe that's, somewhere else in the whole world,
0: yes, but not where <laughs> most of us can't live. Where that will work, it's not compatible with modern life for yeah. most of us. Yeah, but you can
1: come here, and I think you right. can take something back.
0: I agree. Oh, um, I agree completely.
1: Sure
0: yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think I agree. this is
1: why people come here. Absolutely. Um, because they take a, a little, little bit of this serenity back.
0: Oh, I agree. You're actually. Teaching people, it's like you kind of have to strip everything away in order to teach them how to reconnect to those instincts and those pleasures. But once they do that, they can they can almost kind of go into that world. When they go back into their normal lives, they can maybe shut out what's around yeah. them a little bit more and kind of go to that place that you created for them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, and also, you know, when they come, they they get goodies, and one of one of the goodies is. a a handmade notebook empty Mm -hmm. because i don't as i said i don't give them recipes they can have the recipes i'm absolutely happy to share these but i want to encourage people to note them down in their own words in their own way of um and also by means of that discovering their own way they would do it and one one of my guests she she said that she started in a way, started a diary with this notebook that is about mm-hmm. food but not only. And this is this is so wonderful because this is, ex- is exactly what, what I'm having in mind because this allows this spirit to move into into you know the daily lives
0: of these people. Mm. That's amazing, Selena. Do you grow your own ingredients? So I I grow some of it I
1: grow kitchen garden herbs, especially, mm-hmm. and then a little vegetable. I also for it because obviously we're we're surrounded by by green, mm. <laughs> and then I have had a long uh, phase of really researching and traveling around, visiting farmers, finding the ones that can. Mm. Supply me with the type and quality of food that I desire, um, mm-hmm. which obviously was also fun to do. One of the farmers who grow vegetables is the lady, and um, she she produces it the way that she she wants to have it. She wants to eat it. So she she would mm-hmm. never use something on her potatoes that mm-hmm. she. Wouldn't want to ease. It's not that she has an organic label, but I know that it's just common sense. And then also it's a multi-generation family business. So they're having a lot of experience and um, doing it also a little bit the old way.
0: Mm. Uh, Many tricks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, 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 (laughs) right. As you talk about, you know, these trips and going around and foraging and the gifts you prepare, I'm thinking, again, as we go back to kind of the idea of brand and reality and this life you chose for yourself, you produce something for people that is slow and intentional and relaxing. How busy is your life? (laughs) I think it must be so much work. (laughs) It's a lot, lot of work. Yeah.
1: And this is the portion that I deliberately chose not to. This should never uh, become part of the brand because there's everyday uh, chatter and noise. Yeah. Which is obviously happening in my life, too. So.
0: Right.
1: Right. So I have very. But that's that's then really, you know, the the me part Um that's uh, not going into the brand, but it's no, uh, of a lot yeah. of research. It's a lot of trying out. Oh, obviously, I'm trying out, say recipes. There's a lot of fails as well. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. And then mm. winter, winter time is is naturally is less busy. That's perhaps where the slow part is uh, more happening. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're exhausted by October.
1: Um, Yes, I am. Because I think the way I entertain is um, I really do it with all my heart and Mm -hmm. body and soul. Yes. I'm I'm very exhausted. Yes. But I love to work. So I I love being busy. Mm -hmm. I love to have these full days. So Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's exhausting, yes, but that's not just
0: negative. So that can be very positive as
1: well because it gives mm. you satisfaction.
0: Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Well, it's not. Um, although there's tedious aspects to it, work is work. It's not drudgery. You are every day creating something beautiful every day. You're giving people meaningful experiences. You're experiencing their reaction to that. You're Mm -hmm. getting the pleasure of seeing a nicely laid table. You're making a connection with a new farmer. Like there's so much joy in all of it, but it's, it's exhausting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there's many setbacks as well. Um, Mm I mean, some things just don't work out and and I still live Mm -hmm. in, I mean, France is a, a wonderful country, but um, I'm Swiss, so I'm a very reliable person. And in mm. France, <laughs> it's just Latin, so it's sometimes working a bit differently. Uh, yes, <laughs> so, because, yes. So it's a lot of making sure that things work out and, you know, constantly calling up on people to make sure that they that they have, you know, that they're going to deliver what's expected of them.
0: <laughs> I see exactly what you mean. Yeah, because that Swiss Germanic culture is very, it's things so run on time. You yeah, expect excited. and people deliver yeah. and you deliver. That's the social contract. Um, yeah. France is a little more laissez-faire.
1: I think that, that I, I think they think I'm, I'm probably a bit hysteric. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's go a little bit more personal because this is you're creating something for your guests, but you chose this for yourself also. And I'm going to I'm going to read something that I read on your website or on Instagram. But you wrote life moved on and I left the farm to live in the world when one day in a remote corner in France, I rediscovered the map of my childhood landscape and I built another life and another home. I can't pronounce this part. Goats. Mephistopheles has it quite right, let the great world there rave and riot, we here will house ourselves in quiet. The saying has been long well known, in the great world one makes a small one of his own, which is beautiful.
1: It's beautiful, yeah, it's good too,
0: uh, Faust. Okay, yeah. so tell me about this journey. Let's go way back to the beginning. And let's talk about where you grew up and who you grew up with.
1: I grew up basically in, say, in two places. I grew up in a, in a very small town mm-hmm. where I lived with my mother, but my mother worked and she was alone with myself. Mm-hmm. So I spent the greater part of my childhood on, on my grandparents' farm, mm-hmm. which was very nearby. It was perhaps an hour an hour away of the town.
0: Okay, and it, this was in Switzerland.
1: In Switzerland, so okay, at the okay. very, very close to Austria, mm-hmm. and um, obviously it was a very idyllic childhood mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, the cows and the animals, and obviously I love the animals, mm-hmm. and um, I had the my uncles and then my aunts and my grandparents, so there was always some someone around my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm an only child but I've got 12 cousins wow, wow. <laughs> so we were a, a rather large family and most of them lived in in the village or the next village so we had a lot of um, a lot of contact family meals on Sunday for example
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes me think of Heidi <laughs>
1: it's yes it's very it's very near actually the place where where Heidi um, was the setting,
0: the setting of the book. It's, ba- it's
1: there. It's basically the setting. Mm. And it it's funny because where I live now, obviously, there's no mountains.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's not the same if you just plainly look at it, but it's got the same quality. Mm. And I was wondering uh, why perhaps it's the water, because where I grew up, it's um, on the shores of the River Rhine. mm and it's an area that's, so there's marshes and ponds all over and little streams and rivulets. There's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And I think this water has has influenced me greatly as a child. And I I realized when we moved here, because we live directly at the River zone. Mm-hmm. I realized how important this water is for me. And mm-hmm. that I love being so close to to running water, not, you know, lake, but a river.
0: Oh, it's a completely different yeah. feeling. Yeah, because there's the sound. And the movement. Yes.
1: So it's a very, very slow moving river, the sun. Mm. But there's still movement. There's still a little bit current in it.
0: Mm. Okay. And then tell me about your grandmother. She was German, but she married a Swiss... Man, Is that an unlikely pairing. That seems pretty yeah. likely. Perhaps not
1: at the time, oh, okay. um, because it was right after the war. Oh, and it's actually funny because this German part was never a topic at home, so and I I think she was also trying to get perhaps rid of it or not not trying, but she was just not discussing it. It's actually me who rediscovers um, this this portion of, of our history. Mm-hmm. Whereas she clearly wanted, I mean, you know, this was after the war and a very small village. And she, she was different. So I think she... She, we all do this in my family. We all laugh too loud. <laughs> Which in Switzerland, you don't do that.
0: <laughs> mm, I relate to that also. I laugh loudly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think she was desperate to to fit in.
0: Okay.
1: And this is why it, it, it never really was a topic as I, I mean, when I sent you over the recipe, I as I said, I thought that this type of cake um was 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 something she she made up because none of my childhood friends um knew this type of cake but when I was on business in Germany I discovered that it was quite normal there when I realized that there's perhaps more you know than we 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 know about this this
0: place where she was coming from. That is so interesting. So she lived in Germany through the war, and then she married um, your grandfather and left afterwards.
1: No, I think I think she was even born in Switzerland, and mm-hmm. her father was German. I know that she traveled widely. I also know that she she lived in London for some time, and then she met <laughs> this farmer grand father <laughs> mm-hmm. and um yeah she fell in love with him I mean he obviously was quite very very good looking <laughs> and um, I think she she probably also fell you know for this in a way a similar thing that I fell for when yeah, I came yeah. out here yeah the yeah. way of life you know this very very quiet um very rooted way of life
0: mm-hmm.
1: And besides, she was never running out of eggs and butter. I think that was very important. <laughs> too, she was the great cook.
0: <laughs> mm. And was it her or your mother who had a Japanese-style garden?
1: It was her. So it was my grandmother. She had this Japanese-style garden. And I think it was even, again, why she had this. I think it was because she they set the <laughs> garden up in a way that was Very ornamental,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? You would expect more of like a cottage garden or something like that. Yes,
1: yes, but she had this boxwood borders (laughs) and um, yeah, and then these beautiful roses. Yeah,
0: Mm. I mean, it seems like this desire to be transported somewhere else is kind of generational. You know, she went to London. She had this garden. It's just something that. You know, you guys are kind of explorers at heart, but you stay at home. <laughs>
1: yes, I mean, when I, I I was thinking about that actually recently, because you know, my grandfather he was the complete opposite. He never set foot um, outside Switzerland, and he he rather stayed <laughs> at his farm. Um, while my grandmother, she really loved to travel, mm-hmm. and I know that her family, they were much more adventurous. One of her brothers, for instance, he went to live in South Africa. Wow. <laughs> and that wow. would have been out of the question right? For the family of my grandfather. You would never leave your land, you know. Right,
0: right. And right.
1: I think, yeah, I'm somewhat in between because I went away and in a way I went still home. So perhaps mm. I found the balance. I don't know.
0: I want to hear about your journey away and then back home but in another land but first I would just love to ask tell me about food in your childhood and did you connect food to all of these feelings when you were a child or did that come later?
1: I think it's very closely connected with you know my childhood all this uh, emotional aspects about food the 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 setting of the family was very traditional and food was uniquely in the hands of the women, whereas the men would do the outside work. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother, she she I think she always was in this kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only picture her in this kitchen, basically. And you know the old farmhouses that they in Switzerland they were heated from the kitchen, which was connected with a big oven. That that mm-hmm. heated the the ground room floors, so it was all um, uh-huh. wood fired uh, heating. And in in that sense, there was always something in cooking on that stove, or in so you had these these stuff pipes. There was always these smells of of food mm. of cooking, and because I was the youngest of the whole crew of cousins. Mm. Uh, You know, she she would also feed me little treats in between. (laughs) Of course, they would give me small works to do, like, um, you know, going for chives and and then chopping Mm. and help them, you know, to whip up the cream. And I, I remember I was usually I was laying the table, for example, mm-hmm. um, that was my task. And I was I was much honored with that task because it was the Sunday, you know, the Sunday best. Uh, wow. And and of course, I shouldn't, you know,
0: break it. So, oh, so even then, well, first of all, I'm thinking, you know, for a lot of us, good food gives us this feeling of warmth, but it literally warmed your home, right? I mean, yes. if you weren't baking something, your house was cold and drafty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, um, yeah, this feeling of wanting to create something beautiful for people to come in and enjoy, that's completely innate. It was something that you felt so young, and it's it's so wonderful that that was nurtured.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was in our family. It was important that's not just you know serving the purpose of filling bellies, because mm. it had to be good, it had to be wholesome, and it mm. had to look pretty as well. Mm. So also, the we would put flowers on the table, for example. So we were not just you know plain wash your hands eat and, and go back to work but food was much more because it was especially on sundays it it, it meant spending time together right.
0: enjoying
1: the beautiful things enjoying good foods you know after the the lunches the uncles and my grandfather they would smoke uh, cigars mm-hmm. um so that was all part of it was an experience it was not just a function
0: right, right so tell me about leaving
1: so leaving was I think the course of of just a normal life I I -hmm. went to school school was in town so I moved I gradually moved away from that type of life but I never I think I never really lost it Mm -hmm. and um, even even uh, when I went to university I, I remember I I I regularly threw parties and especially dinner parties
0: mm-hmm. and um,
1: I, I I, think it was quite a bore because I, I made all my friends dress up because I said you don't <laughs> come and sit on my table in jeans when I am in the kitchen for two days. Right. <laughs> right, right. So I would throw these very glamorous parties And, and continue entertaining. And I think it's exactly the spirit of, of my childhood because it's, it was not about filling their bellies, but spending time together Mm -hmm. after all.
0: And, and And again, creating a special experience that transported people somewhere away from the normal cares. um, Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 This is, this is such a constant in your life.
1: Yeah. I think it is. Um, and yeah, but, and obviously for me, it's, it's also, um, you know, not, not to have this just on Sundays, but to, to let this spirit in, invades daily life as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And then did you say you worked in economics? So I, I have, so I'm a
1: trained, as I said, trained economics uh, wow. economist I studied I studied economics mm-hmm. and um, I went to work uh, in financial services mm-hmm. for 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 many years which was very interesting mm-hmm.
0: um, And did you live like in a big city
1: to do that um, yeah, yeah I mean Switzerland there's no really big city oh. <laughs> I, I lived in the largest city in Switzerland mm-hmm. which is Zurich
0: <laughs> okay okay
1: um, but come Compared to the place where I was coming from, it was a big city, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a wonderful environment because there's people from everywhere in, in the world. And it's very international. It's very open. And I really loved that. So, it was a... I, I think I needed this experience to go out and, as I put it, just see the world. And yeah. I think... I. I haven't seen all of it, obviously, but I've seen my fair share. Yeah, I
0: think, yeah, I, I, I do think it's important to own your own decisions, and I think the more that you give yourself experiences that are unlike what you've lived or what you kind of feel are expected of you or what you anticipated for yourself, the more when you get into a situation, you know, when you're having a long, hard day in the middle of July and you think, I still have three more months of this, you can say, I chose this life. I know what the other life is like. And I chose this. I think it's a very good point, you know, about choice
1: because I think um, many of us forget that we we do have so many choices.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. I I have the feeling that often people very quickly feel imprisoned in their lives, whereas there's always a choice to do something else or do things differently. But then it's a lot of responsibility because once you've taken the decision, you need to own it as well. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm, Sometimes
1: mm-hmm. It's, perhaps it's easier not to decide and just carry on. Um, yes, yes. But I like to own my life. So I like to make decisions and yeah, then yeah. also,
0: yeah, go through it. Right. Even right. if it's not not always pleasant. Right. So let's talk about that. At what point did you say, okay, I feel this kind of siren call, I guess, of going back <laughs> to the country of and, and did that. Did it lead with I want to be somewhere else and live a different lifestyle or did it lead with I have an idea. I have something I want to offer people. They complement each other beautifully, but which came first?
1: Mm. this is I think it it was more of a gradual thing mm. um, because obviously this place we have it for many, many years now. and at the beginning we were, We were after all going here for vacations and weekends.
0: Really? And then,
1: in a way, we did. I think the relationship changed. So, the proportion of time spent here for me was getting larger and larger. And at the same time, there was this, and and I was completely faithful uh, because I knew that something would come up. And then all of a sudden, it was clear to me um, to to provide these these culinary adventure yeah. workshops, yeah. Which, which in a way were not completely you know off topic because mm-hmm. um, I my mother with a friend they had sort of a. I think it's called a supper club because it was not a proper restaurant. Mm-hmm. But you could go there on, on reservation and mm-hmm. obviously I would work work there too. So the concept was very similar except that people would not cook themselves. But it was also a very, very wonderful setting.
0: I see. Mm. It's almost like it took shape around you.
1: Yes. You know, in, in our times... The focus is a lot on on oh, do you have a plan and um, people are very quickly wanting to have reference points
0: mm-hmm.
1: And it's perhaps a bit out of time to let things shape themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I find this equally important. I mean you cannot just mm-hmm. you know sit and wait until things are happening, but also to give things room to happen on their own accord. And not, mm. of course, you know.
0: I appreciate you saying that so much. Let's talk about describe this cake for my listeners. <laughs> I think it's a perfect balance
1: between, because you, you've got these crunchy biscuits mm-hmm. and this very soft and mm-hmm. rich and thick texture mm-hmm. of the chocolate. How would you call it? I call it ganache, it's chocolate
0: butter. Mm, chocolate you know, butter is a a very good way of saying it it's a chocolate butter
1: yeah because it's melting on your tongue so ideally also I think I didn't write this but you should keep it in a fridge
0: and then eat it really cold it's it's beautiful yeah. and it's very sweet <laughs> it's, but but those biscuits aren't sweet And so, because then all it does is make you take a second piece and maybe even a third or a fourth. (laughs) You can't stop. You have to eat everything. Well, I, okay. So I have to tell you my experience with it. I, I started to make this about 9.30 in the evening, and this is completely unlike any recipe I've ever seen before. And... My oldest son was helping me. You know, he's a teenager, so yeah. nights are more his his realm. I just wanted yeah. to be in bed by nine thirty. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like working along together, and I just kept saying to him, "This is a disaster. What is this?" And then I went this morning, before our phone call, and I took it out, <laughs> and my husband and I were like almost speechless as we, you know, as you cut through and you see that cross section. And then I took a bite and all of my skepticism vanished I can, yes. <laughs> in that moment. And I thought this is one of the most delicious things I have ever eaten. And it's funny because I do not eat a lot of chocolate desserts because I really love chocolate and I find that it's usually not chocolatey enough in desserts. You know, a chocolate yeah. ice cream or a chocolate cake, it's yeah. not
1: I know. I know what you mean. I
0: think. Yeah. Right. And this is pure chocolate. The way you said it, chocolate butter.
1: Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's it's too much. It's too
0: much of everything. It's so good. It's, it is too much. I kept saying to my son, I can't be reading this coconut. It's too much, too much, too much. And then you take that bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really did transport me. And my husband said, he said, wow, this is what they say about French cooking, huh? (laughs) So
1: I usually half it. So my my mother has five or had five brothers. And and then, you know, there was always a lot of people at the table.
0: Okay, so I do have some questions about making it so I cannot argue with the results but I will tell you I was questioning every step of the way as I made it and so I want to just ask you a couple things let me find Mm -hmm. my notes here while I grab them tell me tell me about when you had this as a child tell me the memories associated with it
1: this is our celebratory cake so whenever there was a celebration um, my grandmother would make this cake and then later on, my mother, so my mother still bakes this cake when her brothers uh, have a birthday, and um, I had it obviously for my birthdays too. I I always loved uh, when when they would bake this cake because I knew that I could have the bowl, you know, the bowl with the chocolate oh. mixture. Oh. which was the best part i even i even like this part more than the actual cake itself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so i was always you know sneaking around the kitchen waiting for Mm -hmm. them the bowl to be ready begging them not to use up all of the you know chocolate Mm -hmm. so that i could have uh, a little bit more in the bowl to lick out. i
0: i know i couldn't stop I literally could not (laughs) stop myself. I would think that's the last lick and then I would go back in. And it's just decadence defined. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Let me just very quickly for the listeners describe the process. So there's layers of this chocolate butter, as you call it. I like that more than chocolate ganache because it has that um, like your teeth sink into it. A little yes. more than a ganache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just have very thin layers of that, and then just a crispy, you know, slightly sweet biscuit, very thin layers. And the way you create this chocolate butter, you beat eggs with sugar until they're very, very frothy. Then you add in cocoa powder. And I was so glad that you gave me the proportions because I could not find sweetened cocoa powder here. So I just made my own with the exact proportions. You know, I did my little ratio and, and then you double boil coconut oil and finally fold that in to the egg and sugar and cocoa powder mixture. Correct.
1: I mean, in, in, in Switzerland, you have these, I don't know, uh, coconut fat in, in the U.S., in Switzerland, mm. you have these types of dust with the, and it's it's hard. So what we usually do even is we buy the tar, the tar is sealed, and we put it into into warm water for melting it.
0: Mm, more so than double boiling.
1: Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it depends if it's, I, I don't know in, in which
0: form it comes. So... so and this this was my biggest issue. The coconut oil, Set. it never fully emulsified in yeah. with the other mixture. And I kind of, mm-hmm. what I would do is I would kind of like pour off. It was almost like a little coconut oil was always sitting there. And I would kind of pour it off and then spoon a layer of chocolate on, put the biscuits on. And then, you know, a little more of that coconut oil would have risen to the top. I would kind of pour it off. I mean, it was kind of, I thought this can't be right.
1: I might have to... To perhaps um, send you send you the type of uh, coconut fat we're using. It's funny I came up with this uh, cake because, as I said, I'm not very much into produced, industrially produced food, and mm-hmm. everything <laughs> cake is industrially produced. Mm-hmm. It's true, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but it's such an integral part of my childhood, mm-hmm. and th- this is why I, I I just wanted to share that one. I'm glad to um, and I think it depends how I know that they, they, they make this coconut fat in different ways because maybe that's not the same as
0: used in us. How long does it take you to fold it in?
1: <sighs> I usually, usually it goes very easily.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, we were sitting there stirring a good 10 or 15 minutes and okay, it never fully that's did. Strange. That's not, so strange. the way the one, the one we use really is solid. Okay. So you okay.
1: can't even cut it. So
0: if oh, you. Okay. okay. That must be the issue right there. I might be able to find something that's more appropriate just by knowing that. So why, why, by the time you do all that folding with the cocoa powder and then the, I, I just, I kept thinking, ah, I'm ruining everything we did beating these eggs.
1: Well, no, it's not, it's not fluffy at all. Um, the cake itself is very solid obviously because of the coconut fat um why i i think we have this thing that stirring things so you need to stir well that's that's Mm -hmm. one one of the cooking principles i've learned from Mm. from my mother and my grandmother and always if you if you do um if you stir sugar, you need to stir so long that the, the, the crystallized sugar is going to be fully dissolved so that you don't mm. have sugar crystals in anymore.
0: So it's not so much about putting the air in the eggs as uh, it is about dissolving the sugar.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: yeah. that is so helpful to know.
1: Basically, what my grandmother was practicing was this slow slow cooking trend
0: mm.
1: and everything needed time so if you stirred you had to stir a long time mm. um for it to become good in a way. Mm.
0: Do you think that's true or do you think that's an impression?
1: I <laughs> I think I think it's true in the sense that I believe that when you cook a lot of your emotional state will go into the food. Mm-hmm. and it the outcome of the dish will largely depend on you know your intentions the more you're perhaps in contact with it you know the more you you, you imprint this on your food but obviously i mean take a risotto you shouldn't stir a, a risotto to death because then <laughs> <laughs> you will end up as mud. it depends on the dish but mm-hmm. as it goes for baking I mean i don't I don't do it the stirring myself i ha- I have a uh, a kitchen um,
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: robot so that does it for me but 100%. I still I do stir things yeah for a long time yeah
0: yeah okay well I think those two things really do explain okay well I'm here to tell anyone listening who tries this cake even if it seems to be going all wrong and you have the wrong coconut fat <laughs> You will be a believer the next day. (laughs) It's a no-fail cake. Um, Okay. My final question for you is, can you tell us about the name of your Instagram handle? Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. So, Les Boissons Chat is French and translated to English, it's basically the fish cats. Yes and so it's a lot of, of word play around that um now the, the story behind that is that a couple of years ago we were sitting on on the balcony and we see the river from our balcony mm-hmm. and we were having a glass of wine but and it was dark and we saw gleaming eyes swimming on the river and mm-hmm. we it was it was spooky and we I mean, we're not, you know, superstitious in any way, but none of us would have dared to go down there to really check on what, what's that. Right. And then I said, oh, you know, that's perhaps the neighbor going for the for a swim with headlights or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, well, we just have to put up with it. It's the monster. He's <laughs> <laughs> living down there. I used the word in German. I, I called it the... It's not the catfish, but the fish cat. Ah. But perhaps it really had been a catfish because there must be huge ones living in the
0: shallow water.
1: It's at least what we've been told. So perhaps it was one.
0: All right. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't talked about?
1: Well, I I mean, I think we could go uh, on.
0: (laughs) I, I could. I could sit on your balcony and talk for hours and hours and hours.
1: I think perhaps in a way we're we're probably doing even something similar because we're I giving think, very, yeah, yeah. you know, very commonplace, normal uh, everyday life, a platform Yes, uh, that makes it special because it's actually very special if you look at it closely.
0: Yes, what you just said, giving the commonplace a platform, I mean that's where we all live. your grandmother, who kind of had this, you know, wanderlust a little bit, but she loved your grandfather. And so she satisfied it by creating a garden. And it's like, well, we can do that. To me, that's way more interesting yeah. than hearing about how a celebrity cooks with their two sub zero yeah. refrigerator.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we live in a, in this world of, of, you know, everything is super light. It's everything is big and exceptional mm-hmm. But I think it's the small things. Actually, it's like looking with a microscope because it, it's mm-hmm. if you look closely, it looks it's it's a world on its own, and it's really interesting.
0: Mm. Small mm. things. So so well said. Which of course I'm not surprised <laughs> that you said it so beautifully. Okay, well um, I would love. Oh, I would love for people to know how they can find you online and when things open back up again, where they can find you in France and how they can book to go stay. So just tell me all of the information that I can share about you. So they can obviously find me on Instagram Mm
1: -hmm. under at Mm Lipoessanchot. And then I have uh, the corresponding website, which is the blog. And the blog has a contact section where um all the information is there so there's a contact form and if you scroll way down you can also find the address where we located and also the telephone number to reach me and i mean i would love to you know hear from from your listeners and also mm-hmm. they looked in at instagram and maybe uh, we'll see uh, we see each other one day here
0: who knows Wouldn't that be amazing? I would would love that.
1: And I really hope they're going to open up. But I mean, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how it's turning out. It's a difficult time, but I mean, Mm -hmm. we can't change it. So we have to put up with it. Mm -hmm. Each and every one of us has a huge part, but I think we have it in our hands because it's our optimism that will largely, or pessimism for that matter, that would largely drive the you know the events of the the next 12 months mm-hmm. and if we now go out and and you know take out the work and do it with optimism i think we can we can still have a good outcome
0: mm-hmm. of, of all this all right yeah. Thank you so much, Selena. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Becky. I really, I really, really am so honored.
0: Really, truly, I'm the one who's honored. Thank you so much, Selena. Have a wonderful afternoon and evening and get some rest, okay?
1: Yes, and you have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, thank you, thanks. thank you, Becky. Okay, Bye bye. Thank you again, Selena. Now that you know her a little bit, give yourself the treat of following her over on Instagram and her blog. Her writing is so beautiful, and I imbibe a little bit of her slow, thoughtful life with every read. As always, simply go to thestoriedrecipe.com to find her information and this delicious cake recipe. Also, I'd love to take a moment to thank you for listening to this podcast and also to ask you for your support. If you enjoyed this episode or any others, would you please spread the word? by emailing a friend or family member, sharing on social media, or even leaving a review. It would mean so much to me as I seek to grow this podcast and community into something really sustainable. Thank you so much and have a great week, my friends.